welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, feminism, and sexuality. I'm your host, Chicago comic Kristen Ryan, and tonight with us we have Chicago poet and activist Ariel Atkins. Hello, Ariel. Hey. Hey, why don't you introduce yourselves for our listeners? Uh, well, I, I am a poet and an activist. I do spoken word throughout the city of Chicago, mainly based on uh, how I f- like things that I've been dealing with through my whole life and trying to write them. Well, just kind of more how I use my poetry is uh, I'm working through a lot of ideas and stuff, like on being a black woman, on uh, being molested growing up, on being uh, just dealing with depression and all these things that I like talk about in therapy and try to work through uh, into poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and then also I am an activist. I run an organization with a few friends of mine called Action Workspace, where we uh, give other people that are looking to get into activism outlets and lead them to other organizations that they can become a part of based on what their focuses are. Uh, I'm also a part of CPAC, which is Chicago. Want to tell um, them what that is? Yeah, so like CPAC important. is oh very important. CPAC is basically. It's it's uh the I not the idea but working towards police accountability but through community. Mm-hmm. So all everyone that would be on this council would be elected by the community and from the community and would take care of police complaints and figuring out how what disciplinary action needs to be taken when uh complaints are 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 given I guess because uh like right now we have IPRA and what does that do? It, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. It's, you know, Chicago Police Department. But of course, like it would just be the first step towards police accountability through community and helping other states get it. And right now we're trying to work with Kim Fox, which is interesting. She said a lot of things she was going to do. And... Well, you think she'd be doing those things too because she saw how she got elected. Like, yeah. Those people aren't just going to disappear. No. <laughs> No, she's, uh, I mean, but I guess we could honestly say that through everybody. I mean, Trump promises working class and mm. now who is he uh, destroying the working class? But that's always been the case with Republican nominees and the Democratic nominees as well. I'm not really big on the whole two party. Nor am I. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I was talking with my coworker today about how it feels like we might be in a moment where a new political system is about to emerge, perhaps more of like a democratic socialist nature of coalition building, and it feels kind of good. That's what I want. <laughs> that's a, that's my dream is to start a new political party. I am far from it, mm-hmm. but that's my dream. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just not a rich white man millionaire, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if any of the parties speak to me, you know? I have no <laughs> money. No money in any uh, of those. Well, it is awesome to have you here tonight. Uh, I'm very curious, because um, I I met you recently. I saw you perform at North Bar, and I was like, who is this woman, this force of nature? I want to be her, I want to be her friend. <laughs> <laughs> And then I ran into you at the Women's March, and I just feel like so many uh, areas of our life intersect. I was really excited to have you on and get to know you more. And also, I'm going to just dive into questions. Uh, How do you feel about horror as a genre? I like horror a lot. I didn't... I like... Okay, my brother and I are 
really I'll talk about him probably more because he's my best friend and mm-hmm. we're both the same person and not the same person uh but we were kind of weird growing up like we didn't uh really have a lot of friends at all and so that kind of <laughs> developed into this I don't think this is the right word but it might be some kind of depravity uh of which we just like don't like other people and kind of want to see like weird things happen to them so we would end up watching a lot of horror which was also weird because my parents were very strict like we couldn't even see pg-13 movies unless they watched it first and we couldn't see them until like on our own until we were 14 oh, wow. so yeah they were but we would you know tv is a thing and you also have uh, relatives are a thing and so you go to their houses and you watch whatever plays oh yeah so my, we got really into it that's awesome my mom wouldn't let me watch the simpsons but my grandfather owned a video store and he'd be like you want to watch blood sucking freak sure go ahead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it. that's exactly yeah that's it uh where did you grow up memphis tennessee oh no way that is so funny because everyone i've met from memphis and tennessee as a whole i have loved yeah that's so crazy we got good people in yeah tennessee. you really do shout out to mo alexander joshua mclean mary jordan all mary j Berger, all you great people <laughs> now i'm gonna tag you and tweet at you too <laughs> nice yeah so that's awesome that you have that bond with your brother like watching horror movies you know, a lot of people I have on, they're like, I don't like horror at all. I'm here because you asked me to do it. <laughs> oh, horror's good. It's like, it's a really good genre when it's done well. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of American horror, I don't get too into because it's like, there isn't a lot of creativity and not a lot of imagination. Like slasher films, we developed into mm-hmm. slasher films. And while slasher films are a lot of fun, there's not really a lot to them uh, other than you see everything kind of coming yeah. and then they introduce these twists that are like, well, that was the best part of the film. And, but the rest I don't care for. I like those when I'm having a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll still watch them. I'll watch Friday the 13th all day. What's the first horror movie you remember seeing? I rem- probably Candyman. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Cabrini Green. Mm. <laughs> I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I think that was it. There were a lot of horror. I had a my brother and I used to be babysat by our our cousin uh, Toya, and she loved horror movies. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she kind of also liked the idea of freaking us out. You know what? That's <laughs> that's where that stemmed from. Oh, I should have said that. That's where that stemmed from because she would play us horror movies when we were like five and six. <laughs> and at first we were freaked out, and then like after. Uh, her taking care of us like every other weekend it just became like we laughed at them we weren't freaked out by them anymore we would just watch so there are a lot that I remember seeing that I still search for that I'm like what was that like I just remember this like snips of it but it, one of the biggest ones was Candyman mm-hmm. and we remember seeing that and we were freaked out by it but then it was hilarious yeah, <laughs> yeah. no that's a great movie and uh, when did you move to Chicago? eight years ago oh, okay. for college yeah, so now the neighborhood here in Chicago, Cabrini Green, they've uh, they've gentrified the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. And what's especially repulsive about it is they built a big ugly mall on top of it that they call New City. I'm just like, wow, that is <sighs> such a fuck you. Yeah, big fuck you. Yeah, to the disenfranchised of Chicago. Yeah, I like the giant luxury condos. 
Oh, I know. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I still think of them. I think of those and then automatically think of the building, the apartment complex that's in <laughs> Candyman. Oh, yeah, think yeah. Of, like, what if he just comes back? And... Oh, I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> All those yuppies. Oh, my God. Death of the well, yuppies. We should start petitioning for this. <laughs> I would watch the fuck out of that movie. <laughs> Candyman's back. And he's killing yuppies. I'm down for it. Yoga moms aren't safe. Oh, that'd be great. Don't take your four hundred dollar strollers with you. <laughs> it's not gonna work. It's just him like spilling ice cream on strollers. <laughs> oh, that's gonna stay. <laughs> I like it. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Uh, so tonight for us to discuss Ariel Cho's Audition, which is a nineteen ninety nine Japanese film about a widower that decides to start dating again. He uses a fake movie audition system as a date screening service and meets Asami. Asami seems very shy and reserved and lovely, uh, but soon it becomes clear she's not who she seems to be at all. So I'm curious, Ariel, what made you choose audition? Uh, well, I know that uh, I believe you said like on the focus of feminism, and there are a lot of feminist themes in this movie uh that surprisingly a lot of people online don't want to talk about they're like that's not what it's about but it's totally about oh it's totally in uh, at its base it's about the objectification of women and this and you have this exaggerated character that comes out and i mean of course like you're not going to actually torture someone mm-hmm. like but uh if it, it, it the idea that we're not supposed to objectify women. This is the whole idea of him just going forward and being like, I'm going to hold an audition process. I'm going to find the perfect, sweet, quiet, calm, uh, shy woman to, to nurture me in my old age. But can also play piano and is a ballerina. Yep. <laughs> she's got to have talents. I think that's what he, she's got to have talents. Yeah. She's got to pop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. And I have to admit, like, this movie, it came out in 99, mm-hmm. so, like, that whole dating process, like, the, the fake audition process he set up, it felt like okay, Cupid mm-hmm. before there was the internet, you know, and uh, it's very awkward, but, you know, if you take away the internet, that whole system is completely insane, that mm-hmm. he thinks he would have the power to do that, to manipulate people who think they're going to get a job. Yeah. Like, say, oh, you're going to get a role in this film, but instead be like, oh, it fell through, it's not going to happen, but you want to date? Like, yeah. what? That's, ugh. <laughs> it's no, he is, the character and uh, his friend, they have no uh, capacity for uh, for human understanding. It's just like, the idea, anytime that you can manipulate anyone in, in such a way, it's disgusting, it's shameful. Which is kind of why at the end you kind of like, oh yeah, she's gonna get him. Like I kind of, <laughs> yeah. I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, and well, also the way the father and the son talk to each mm-hmm. other, like, are you gonna get a girl? You should get a girl too. Can oh, she? Can she cook? Oh man, great! Like, just, ugh. we're not property, dudes. It felt very much like that, and I was wondering if it's if it was like because I am not particularly that familiar with a lot of Japanese films Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if that is a cultural thing or if it is over embellished in the film it's definitely over embellished it is a like a bit of a cultural thing 
and Japanese. Uh, one of the other reasons I chose the Japanese horror films because my I watch a lot of anime, mm. and so anime is my shit. <laughs> but uh, it's even though this is an anime, um, it that is kind of the idea and the theme that I get that I see in a lot of what I watch and mm-hmm. read. So, mm. it, and it's. Because you, if you think back to, I'm not even gonna. I was gonna go back to like Japanese history and the way women are, but are treated and, and seen. Uh, but I, I guess that's not really important because the same thing could be said here. Oh yeah, the corset and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. <sighs> not now though. Not now. We have a president that respects us. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> loves women. Would never, never dream of objectifying them. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Back to the movie. Back to the... F- there was a lot of, uh, like, almost dreamlike qualities to this film. And in some ways, I found it very hard to follow in certain points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also wondering if that's, like, could possibly be seen as a metaphor for, like, a uh, survivor trying to tell their story and, like, how the public views it. I was, that's really interesting. I did not get, I was thinking of it more as like, in the beginning, there's a, there's like a happy dreamlike quality. Everything is supposed to be very sweet. It's dreamlike. And then it becomes a nightmare. Mm-hmm. As like, even the colors in the film changes, the editing is, the lighting is different. Things, everything is more red. Like when he goes to see Mr. Shimada and, uh, in the piano room it like goes from everything like the the first time you see a piano it's pretty oh that's true and then the second mm-hmm. time you see a piano it's horrifying yeah like what is this room and who is this creepy laughing man you know yeah that man was terrifying yeah the laugh was uh great the questions he had are real creepy like did you touch her body did you see it did you like how she feel did you smell her like who is this going back to it's like so it's kind of like everything it just kind of juxtaposed from the conversations that they have in the beginning about how they think of women Mm -hmm. and then brought to this creepy old man and he's changing it uh, to to feel real messed up, like oh, this is the way you're supposed to feel when people are talking about women this way, mm-hmm. and he comes through in this guy. Yeah, so I think I feel I like that idea. Like it's him, te- a survivor telling his story, but I also think it's supposed to be dreamlike and then delves into nightmarish. Speaking of nightmarish, uh, man in the bag. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so that was the record producer, right? Uh, in the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The record from the bar. Which is interesting also because I wonder if it was a very similar, um, situation where it was like, oh, baby, I'll make you a star. Yeah. You know, you're a singer, you play piano. Uh, but then it turns out he was, you know, not going to come through on that promise. And I I think he was, he was married, right? Yeah, he was married to the owner of the bar. Yes. And so it was like kind of probably, I'll make you a star. And then also her whole idea of love no one but me. Mm -hmm. I'm the only person you're going to love. Because for, I'm sorry, for the viewers, like towards the end, Asami, she punishes Ayama because he loved his wife, his dead wife, and then also loves his son and his dog. So she only wants to be the only person that he loves. So like I guess the record producer was like, "You have a wife, and you won't leave her, and you you have to love only me." So she kills them both. 
yeah. or tortures him and kills the wife. I wasn't sure. You know, like, there's so much with Asami that I wanted to get behind. Like, yeah, murder everyone. Uh, but then, like, love only me. Like, you can't even love your son. Like, it's such a, um, I don't know, you fear her. Yeah, I think you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be this exaggerated idea. Uh, I was going to say there's nobody like that in real life, but there definitely are people like that in real life. But uh, mm-hmm. she, you're supposed to, It's. I think it's good to fear her, but also cheer her on. Uh, <laughs> it's a duality. Of it's being a, a nice duality. <laughs> yeah, of being a woman. Like you can be terrifying and, and incredible at the same time. You know, women are powerful. Yeah, I you know that's one thing I did find very curious about the film is everyone who met uh, Ayami or Asami uh, was like I don't like her, mm-hmm. I don't like her, like and it's like she didn't do anything mm-hmm. really, not yet. No, they just mm-hmm. decide I don't like her, which I think that's like, yeah, uh, the fact that anybody can just automatically meet someone without getting to know them and say I don't like that person. Is pretty problematic. Well, and I think that's something people do to women all the all time. time. And they'll base it on nothing. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm somebody was like, oh, I didn't like the way she smelled. And then that's <laughs> all that's all they would talk about for the rest of the time. If, whenever you would talk about if she came up in a conversation, they would just be like, oh, yeah, like she smells weird. And like, do you know anything else about her? Like, well, you know, sometimes we talk and it's she annoys me. But like, what what does she say that annoys you? What about her is bad other than a smell? And smells could mean a, like so many different things. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't take that. Yeah, that's I think that's an issue with women. Uh, not an issue with women, but an issue around women and people's. Like, if you're not this perfect idea mm-hmm. person, then they're going to automatically just write you off. Mm-hmm. I was also wondering, with the character of Asami, of the idea of, um, you know, like the cycle of abuse. Like, people who are abused, if they will turn around. Because, you know, they say that if you learn the cycle of violence, you're more likely... Uh, to participate in that and I'm wondering if she is like the representation of that I think I guess going back to her whole thing of love only me like her abuse first comes from her mom not being loved and having no one and then Mm -hmm. as soon as she gets a husband again she's happy Mm -hmm. and she stops abusing her but then that man the person that she loved that the the mom loved ends up abusing her Mm -hmm. and so maybe going through the idea that she feels like if somebody loves her they won't only her she won't be hurt oh that's that's a really good point i didn't think of that yeah that's probably accurate because that's what she saw when she was a kid Mm -hmm. man yeah so this film got real heavy and um because at first you're not sure what to think of asami you don't know what's going on yeah and it just feels like chaotic and uh you know, people are getting put in bags and being forced to eat vomit. But then you realize this older man has been, like, molesting Asami and, like, forcing her to dance for him while he masturbates and um, burning her thigh. Mm. The abuse that Asami suffered, like, I see her perpetrating it on men in her life as Mm -hmm. a physical representation of what she suffered Mm -hmm. and i think so often sexual violence is not seen and as women and 
not just women, I shouldn't say that, mm. as people who have suffered abuse and molestation, like, and rape, a lot of times you're just expected to, like, bounce back. Yeah. Like, it's fine. You're fine. You're alive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not considered as something that you live with every day. Like, whereas if someone has their foot cut off, you have to think about that mm-hmm. every second of your day. Because mm-hmm. how are you going to get on the bus, you know? Yeah. And in that aspect, I like what Asami, I mean, I should say I like it, but like. Oh, I love it. I like, <laughs> yeah, I like what Asami was doing then. It's like, she has to think about her childhood and dancing for that creepy old man probably every day. So... Why shouldn't some fucker that was trying to manipulate and abuse her get to walk right every day, you know? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that aspect? I think it's, I think that's really accurate. I think that uh, she, you put it, you put it so succinctly, just, yeah, no, that's, that's it on that. that. (laughs) Well, because like it is, like she, she has to live with it every day and now he has to live, and she even says it to him in a way. She's like, I am disabled. I can never dance again. Do you know how it feels to be disabled? And that wasn't totally uh she like she also wrote that in her her resume that she's disabled, but she isn't physically disabled. You know, that's such a good point. I actually didn't catch that and I cuz you know, it's like I thought maybe I was missing something with translation. But yeah, she could walk. She was she Yeah, she's fine. fine. The only injury she suffered was she said her mom threw her down the stairs and she broke both of her shoulders. But she wasn't doing ballet at that point. She didn't start doing ballet until uh, her mom got remarried to Mr. Shimada because it was his ballet studio. Mm. So she comes through that. She comes out of that totally disabled just mentally. Mm-hmm. This all like the years alone with her mom and then with this man. And she can't do ballet anymore. And it was probably the only joy that she had. Or the only other joy that she had. Mm-hmm. And now this man comes through and she's like, I'm disabled. I can never do ballet again. You know how it feels to be disabled? Let's find out. Man, and that's such a, like, it's such a strong word to use. And I'm kind of shocked that I didn't put it together because, and I feel like in our society, trauma is so invisible and expected to be, you know, mm-hmm. suck it up. So, like, it's, uh, we were, we as a society and a culture, I think we have a long way to come in realizing how trauma really impacts people. And I love, I don't just say love, um, but I really agree with the idea as like thinking about it as something that's disabling. Because if you're not in your right mind frame, how are you going to live daily life? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she can't. She clearly can't. She lives in... Uh, an apartment she doesn't nobody knows where she really lives she doesn't really have any furniture she has a phone and a man in a bag like (laughs) (laughs) she's a modern gal (laughs) she's she's so minimalist you guys all about that minimalism asami is but she's just like she has she has nothing she just sits and like she's that weird scene in the middle that like that really kind of where it first your first uh, realization other than the discomfort that you feel that it's a horror movie mm-hmm. is seeing her and seeing that bag and hearing the phone ring and seeing that smile on her face like I got this bitch like yes. I have him he's mine now yes oh god yeah and that was the first point where it really felt like a horror movie right because up until then I actually checked a couple times yeah like, like what did she this, send me <laughs> is this a horror movie because it feels like 
wacky dad son comedy gonna get us a wife uh, yeah uh, but yeah that scene i was like oh this yeah it just got real uncomfortable <laughs> Her smile is great. It's so great. Just the slow looking up. I was like, oh, man. Japanese horror film people really know how to get into your (laughs) stomach. The first time I saw that, I was like, oh, what's happening? (laughs) What is happening? Me and my friends were like, this is this is not okay." Oh, yeah. Because when we were I saw you posted this on Facebook and you were discussing with one of your friends about the film that ruined your night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was uh, it wasn't I was the one who ruined because I was uh, they were like already like Ariel was real weird. And I was um, this was like before I had been diagnosed with major depressive disorder and uh, severe anxiety. And so I was like going through these weird, intense, like emotional moments. And uh, my friends weren't really sure how to I don't know how they're still my friends. But, like they're so sweet. But uh, it was like I was we were watching it and I was just laughing through the movie. <laughs> And they were like, what is wrong with you? And after that, they were like, Ariel's real weird, guys. And then I, I, like, I, like, I think the next day or two days later or something, somewhere in that time period, I was like, you guys want to be blood brothers? And I was dead serious. <laughs> and they thought it was a joke. But I was like, we could be blood brothers. Right? We could All we could do is like cut our hands and put our And they were like, mm-hmm. all right, no more horror movies for Ariel. She can't, we're not watching them with you ever again. How old were you? Uh, 18, 19, 19, 18 or 19. I had a similar experience with the movie, The House of Yes. Have you ever seen that? Oh my God, I haven't. Oh, I love that movie. But yeah, I was like, everyone I know has to watch this. Sit down, get comfy. We're watching it. And they're just like, ugh. (laughs) What's wrong with you? I didn't even pick this one. My friend Drew, I think he he was like, they were talking about it in a film class. And they were like, yeah, you got to watch this movie, man. So it was like, you guys want to watch a movie? Because we would always watch movies. Mm -hmm. And, uh. He was like, never again. We're never doing a horror movie again. It's not happening. But he totally, like, they would watch them without me, but they would watch them. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, The other theme that jumped out at me from this movie, and I wasn't sure if it was like a 90s thing, but it's like this idea that the father character was so excited and almost obsessed with the idea about accepting pain as part of life. Mm -hmm. And like, this idea that the more you suffer, the more character you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also it fits into his role with Asami and like wanting someone who has suffered and is broken mm-hmm. so that doesn't expect much of him, maybe. Yeah. Cat just went flying through the air. <laughs> Chitara making an appearance. But yeah, that kind of... Maybe it was more of a... A signal to his character that there was something sin- more sinister underneath and mm-hmm. that he wasn't just, you know, oh, I'm just trying to find a new wife. I think that is, I think that is a really big 90s theme. Uh, we're, we're flannel, be sad. Yeah, be, be sad, <laughs> suffer, or, and not even just like, not even just the, for like the grunge kids, but like this idea, like you grow up. And your your whole life, your fam, your parents are telling you if you're uh, like I'm 25, and so you know my grandparents, and my aunts and uncles, and everybody in are like we suffered, like we went through things, and we came back, and we pu- pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. So, like none of them are really in like great situations, but mm-hmm. uh, we came, we like were stronger for it. Like these, and people will say like these millennials, they've never struggled, they've never suffered, they don't know what pain is. So I think it's, yeah, it's this, 
like nineties and back. Like mm-hmm. maybe at this this point in the film or this point when this film came out was this the turnaround idea. Like you don't really have to suffer in order to have character and be better. Uh, cause Asami suffered and Asami came out fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she did not pull herself up by her bootstraps. She's pulling other people's feet off. <laughs> so with wires, with wires, Ooh, those wires, wire God damn. She's going, people sending, making people blind. She's, you know, she's taking fingers and tongues. The, the record producer, she takes his tongue. Oh yeah. Which that's a great scene. You you hear the tongue first and then you see it. <laughs> I was like, that is so great. That is a fantastic idea. Of course, he doesn't hallucinate about the blood coming from under the door. He hallucinates about somebody's tongue flipping. <laughs> just flapping. Just away. flipping around on the, on the floor. It freaks me out because when she's doing the needles. Yeah. She goes kitty 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 kitty. Yeah. yeah. Which is like when I come home, I always go kitty kitty kitty. Like, now every time I do that, I'm like, oh, needles. Yeah, right in the eyeballs. Oh, shit. That's, my brother cannot do eyes. I told him, watch this movie, and he watched, he's like, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) He can't do things with eyes. Like that scene in uh, Hostel where her eye is pulled out and he cuts it up. That's his least favorite thing in in any movie ever. You know, I don't watch a lot of the torture porn. No, it's real weird. Yeah. I think I watched that in, in college, too, and I was like, why are we watching this? Mm-hmm. That's I think yeah, American. Uh, my whole thing on American horror films go from slasher films to torture porn. There's like a whole like what was it five, four or five years of just straight torture oh, yeah. porn horror. Oh yeah, it was like Hills Have Eyes, Hostel, Saw, um, which is interesting because like the Hills Have Eyes originally was like from the seventies, mm-hmm. and I've read a few articles just talking about like heightened terrorism. Uh, political scapes and then for some reason torture porn is an outlet for people it's terrifying I don't understand it don't get that I guess yeah from our fear of being bombed which I don't really understand how we can have that fear compared to other countries but Mm -hmm. I guess feeling that I don't know I'd have to think about that one more that's so that's really interesting yeah, I just, I personally, I don't like tor- torture porn. And it was funny because when I first started the podcast, one of my friends was like, I want to watch The Hills Have Eyes. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> like, of all the movies, oh. at least it wasn't hostile. Yeah, that's true. God, that movie. Make you never want to travel again. Huh? <laughs> I wonder if that's part of it, too. I think like, that's, that's totally, yeah, the whole idea of terrorism, don't travel. Because they tell you, like, or look at, what was that, the other movie? It's not a horror movie, but, uh, uh. Where the daughter is taken away and almost oh, makes taken, sense. right? Yeah, taken. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I actually haven't wow. seen that either. <laughs> yeah, daughter gets taken away because she's traveling in Europe and hangs out with the wrong dude and she's put in sex trafficking. Like, you should just stay home and start a family, little lady. Stay in America. <laughs> Love your country. You can go backpacking through Kentucky and find yourself. Yep. Don't they have serial killers in Kentucky? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I, would I wouldn't put it past them. I would assume so. Were there any other themes that jumped out at you? No, other than, I guess, no, other than the feminist themes and the the uh, the whole idea of being broken. That's, no, I, I guess that's it. Well, that, at least that's the stuff that I think about a lot with that movie. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, uh, even before I was really developing my own political ideals and identity, uh, it 
was so strong. It's the only thing that kind of stays with you. Because mm-hmm. you could look at, you could watch it and be like, ah, oh, this movie is misogynist. And, oh, why does she have to be the villain? But also you have to remember, like, there are not a whole lot of female villains in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, the first one I can even think of, or I guess you, going back, there are, like, mom, like, what whatever happened to baby Jane? Baby mm-hmm. Jane. Like, I guess that's one. But then, like, this one, women against men... Yeah, no, it doesn't happen that really a whole jumps lot. To mind for me is misery. Misery, well, yeah, and that was later, right? Yeah, was no, no, um, that was before that. That was definitely before audition. Yeah, and that was uh, Stephen King and his. He's pretty feminist in his. I love. Oh my god, when I discovered Stephen King in like sixth grade, I was like, "This is all I'm reading forever." <laughs> yeah. Well, until high school. But. Well, I mean, he's got. <laughs> some great stuff oh and he's also got carrie so oh, there yeah. i mean i'm carrie not i guess i'm not saying that there aren't there haven't there weren't any before this movie just that there aren't a whole lot all the villains most of the villains in movie are men and a lot of their victims are women mm-hmm. and you, see, you always when you think of a lot of horror movies especially you the first thing you think of is like women running from somebody in a house or down mm-hmm. the street being you know being preyed on yeah, being preyed on, and which is like our everyday fear anyway. And yeah. like, why does it have to be so intense in our film? So, and this idea that this man, like, so which is oh, that's one thing. The 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 man in this movie, usually men can go through life and date, and you know they're gonna be fine, and they always have like jokes about oh, make sure she's not crazy. Oh yes, you know. And but this time, like, she comes out and like she's the one who he's the one who is being preyed upon. And has no idea. Like, it doesn't even happen until the last 15 minutes of the movie. But it, he's the one who's actually, he put himself in danger, and he's the one being, and so it's like the idea men don't have to deal with that. But, like, this is what women have to deal with every day. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom always would tell me if I was like, oh, I'm on online dating, you know, she's like, oh, you could meet that person, and they could kill you in a car. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go missing behind a dumpster and, you know, it's like, which you already feel that anyway. I could meet somebody in real life and that could happen. Oh, yeah. doesn't even have to be online dating. That's beaten into you from day one as a day woman. Day one. Mm-hmm. So I love, I like that idea too. Like, we're all, we're all kind of in danger of, of you know, when you put your, your body out there, you're putting your safety in danger. Mm-hmm. So. What did you think of that first, or that scene where she reveals her scars to him and think they have sex right mm-hmm. but it's also very dreamlike so i was like didn't they or didn't they uh but it's so like it feels so um overly virgin-esque like there's white flowing drapes yeah 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 and it, it just felt kind of like i feel like that's where as women we're expected to be with sex you know like this this beautiful virgin that is going to show you bear all to you and only you so yeah. that you know our true selves and we'll we'll share that just with you. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just it's it felt so over uh saturated in the film. I was wondering if they're trying to make a statement with that. Oh yeah, cuz she does it a lot. She's like I I want to tell you everything. I want it. She says it over and over mm-hmm. again and multiple t- and then they even they re-show that scene uh when when they're in the the restaurant and she's telling the story of her childhood, of course, like leaving out mm-hmm. a lot of details, she she uh, they show her laying on the floor. She says, "I laid around and I did nothing a lot of the time mm-hmm. when my stepdad wasn't home." And she's just laying on the floor in her leotard, uh, 
and she it goes up the scar of this like the seven year old girl's legs, and then it shows her laying in the bed in the hotel, mm-hmm. like in the same position. Yeah, I almost wondered if it was this statement of like when I'm not being used by a man, I just lay around yeah. and wait. Yeah, you know, which like, she does Ooh. too. She's sitting in the apartment just the waiting. Phone. Yeah, yeah, oh, and God. then when he pushes her down the stairs, she's dying, and she's just telling him how she's so glad that she can't wait to see. She got to see him again. She can't wait. She can't wait to see him again. After she's just waiting. Yeah, it was like a script in her mind that she was just replaying. It was terrifying. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. This. Oh. So, what are your most memorable moments in this film? Definitely that scene where she's sitting and the bag is there. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that's always my. And then it moves. Yeah, that was like, what is in this bag? Why do they keep showing this bag? It keeps coming up every, like, five minutes now. Like, I don't understand. And when it moves, you're like, all right, that's definitely a body. Uh, I, that's, always, that's the most memorable scene for me. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree with that. And then, yeah, needles in the eyes, yeah. man. Oh, and needles everywhere. That was, it felt so long. Like, so long. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like only that scene's only about five minutes. Yeah, and then the very last scene, like before it cuts, where I think it, they just say like that's life, you know. I was like, oh, that is not life. <laughs> <laughs> it's life for women. <laughs> oh, man, that's that felt brutal. Yeah, I think you're supposed to leave feeling really kind of dirty and rethinking the way you think honestly just like this is how i think about life and people and women and dating and like uh, you know people are not objects i guess what? yeah that's it like yeah like <laughs> that's that's what is oh is that what i'm supposed to get from this experience like even though he almost he's not murdered or not actually uh assaulted even though the director constantly says oh he definitely was that was real or in, to him, it was real. I don't know. That's a whole lot of. That's a whole other. Wait, the director said. Yeah, he's like, it's. He's like, oh, it definitely happens to him, but it doesn't happen to him, but it happens to him. And you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. And I think it's just his idea. Something he came up. He was saying like, oh, well, you know, think of it this way. He is sadistic he's secretly sadistic and like that's because he talks about it constantly with like life is pain life mm-hmm. is suffering you build character because he's actually sadistic mm. and so he kind of the everything she does to him is kind of what he secretly wishes her, him to do to her oh yeah Whoa. so like in a way it happens but it doesn't it's a lot of bullshit but. interesting yeah he gets it in anyway he gets it instead hey like though he's preying on a young woman uh he specifically searches for women in a specific in a, in a in a very tight age range oh, yeah. and like body type hair type it has to be long they've got to be thin they have to have talents and- oh yeah you see that even sometimes with like your friends tinders mm-hmm. like I, so many of my guy friends i'm like really 18 to 22 come yeah. on like you're, you're almost 40 baby yeah like- you don't need a 22 year old <laughs> One of my friends, he was dating a, a 20-year-old, and he would want to hang out, but she couldn't even go to bars. She couldn't even... He would be like, well, we can go to a house party. It's like, I don't want to go to some stranger's house party just so I can hang out with you two so that your girlfriend can drink. This is stupid. Yeah. 
This is yeah. real stupid. You need to date an adult. Like, just maybe. <laughs> and it's like, and nothing totally, nothing against her. But, you know, she, an older guy asked her out mm-hmm. and was into her. And she feels cool. We've all been there. Oh, We've God, all yeah. totally When I was 14, I dated a 21-year-old. Dude, same! <laughs> when, when I was 16. But I date, he was like 22 and in college. <laughs> It was so creepy. But as the as the lady in that, you felt cool. Yeah, I did. I was like, my boyfriend in that beer. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I didn't drink at the time, but he just yeah. felt so cool. He was an idiot, and it's like then you think later, like, what was wrong with him? Mm-hmm. You know, dating a, a high schooler. Yeah, what was wrong with you? Yeah, like why do you why why like what are you getting from this relationship? We we're not having intelligent conversation. I'm spouting whatever my parents think. And, mm-hmm. It's probably you know, totally a power thing. It's 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 all for him definitely. Yeah. He was a youth minister at my church. <gasps> oh, yeah. Youth ministers are creepy. They're real creepy. <laughs> oh, real creepy. <laughs> I feel like we could do another podcast on that topic. I would totally be down. <laughs> I've got so much to say. I was a very religious kid. Uh, and now I'm an atheist. My family tried to throw me into that Awana. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh. Oh, it's like Baptist Girl Scouts. Um, terrifying. Just terrifying. They all knew, like they memorized Bible verses. That was me. Oh, really? <laughs> that was me. My parents are both ministers. I was super, super, super religious. I knew... I would read the Bible every day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they would like play this game and be like, we'll give you an easy one, Kristen. John 3.16. And I'd just be like, I don't know. And they'd be like, what? Really? How many times have you read the Bible? Like, none. None? Zero. <laughs> you guys watch TV? It's awesome. <laughs> it's like every song. Gospel songs, they're all like Bible verses. Oh. Oh, I didn't know there was a cheat code. Oh, uh, yeah. Like there's like the song Children's on John 3.16 means you can be born again. It's like it's... <laughs> <laughs> what I love about my house now is I have like an overhang that you can see who's knocking on the door. So like every weekend when the Jehovah's come, I'm always like, hmm? oh, I won't be answering the door no. today. <laughs> mm uh, and uh, enough about my neighborhood visits, I guess. <laughs> um, do you have any final thoughts on audition? I think it's, um, I think it's really, I've really enjoyed watching it again because especially uh, where I am now politically and on like my, like my feminist beliefs. And one thing that I've been thinking so much about is how feminism is not purely female. And we get really mm-hmm. stuck in that. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, I'm a feminist. And, you know, because I paint my nails and I can be girly and nobody, and I don't care what anybody thinks, or I don't, I, uh, I'm more unisex and I'm a tomboy and nobody cares what anybody thinks. But it's like the idea that feminism is purely female is a uh, problem. I'm going to get to the mm-hmm. point. But like, uh, it's problematic because uh, feminism is honestly for everyone. And mm-hmm. people say that all the time, but they really think in that mindset, uh, like we'll call men male feminists. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. whereas it's it's the idea that this masculinity should not be the focus of anything. Masculinity should be a description of, I don't know, like in, 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 in other, in other uh, like saying that something is masculine should not mean that it should only be this way. It this not, should not be the dominant and something is feminine. Those should not be the dominating aspects. You can be masculine and feminine mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be a problem to be both of those. 
uh, you shouldn't be one because of only being one is really that's 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 uh, hurtful to you. So mm-hmm. in this idea, like flipping and making her the villain and him the preyed upon victim, uh, and like and and switching that idea that women can't date because we're going to be like the idea, the fear that we're going to be murdered or hurt, and in the end, he's the one who dates and ends up being hurt and and preyed upon it, it switches it, it really like it and i think it goes with that idea that feminism should be for everybody mm-hmm. uh because like even when like people talk about this film and they talk about the feminist ideals they don't purely talk about they don't just talk most of the conversations aren't just on how women are objectified it's on all of it because in in the end he's also objectified. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be somebody for her that could take care of her. Mm-hmm. She only thought of men as somebody who could love her and take care of her for life. That is who you are to me. That's all you'll ever be to me and for me. And mm. if you can't meet that, then I'm doing away with you. I'll fucking kill you. And in a really brutal way. Yeah. Wow. That's a really great summation. That's really in depth. That's awesome. That's why I love like talking about people's favorite movies with them because I feel like you add so much more than I just get from the first viewing. Yeah. Man, that was awesome. Well, thank you for doing the podcast. You're welcome. Um, do you have any upcoming events or projects you would like to plug? Well, the only thing I'm working on currently is I'm doing a, a I like I do food drives out of my apartment. And so I'm doing another, but this one is bigger. So in about April's time, we're going to, uh, I got a bunch, I got a committee together and we're throwing a show. And at the show, people don't have to pay if they bring items that we have on a list uh, for us to pass out. And then in the next week, we're going to make a giant batch of soup. I want to feed minimum of 150 people and uh, care packages and take them to highly homeless homeless populated areas in Chicago and pass it out and talk to people and feed them and that sounds that's awesome. Cool. Um where is the food drive going to be? The show. The show we're not so we just had our first meeting last night. Right oh, now okay. we're talking about probably the card space. Uh but we're not totally sure. Like so I guess it kind of sucks to plug, but I guess be on the lookout for mm-hmm. all the various posters that I will be posting. Great. And where would be a good spot for them to find that? On my Facebook page. Okay. It's yeah. public. Most of it's public. Yeah. Check out Ariel Atkins on Facebook and make sure you go to the food drive and then come on out and help uh, donate those care packages too. Um, it has been a pleasure to talk with you. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. Well, that's been Ariel Atkins. I'm Kristen Ryan. Have a good night. <laughs>